This program provides education, not advice. Sponsors pay a fee for endorsements and interviews. See the truthayf.com disclosure page for details. This is where technology, innovation, and personal finance come together. This is the truth about your future with Rick Edelman. Brought to you by Global X ETFs, dedicated to providing investors with unexplored intelligent solutions, and by Invesco QQQ. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ, Invesco Distributors Inc. It's Friday, June 9th. Coming up on today's show, the business of investment advice with a visit by Ray Sclafani, one of the premier coaches of financial advisors. Yesterday, I told you that Boston is now providing free community college to everybody. Now, residents of Cook County, Illinois and Toledo, Ohio are getting their medical debt wiped out. Pittsburgh as well. They're all joining with a nonprofit called RIP Medical Debt. It's a clever idea. Here's how it works. Let's start with the fact that 18% of Americans have medical debt that they have not paid. Now, they haven't paid the bill in most cases because they literally can't afford to. See, that's kind of the problem with medical debt. Healthcare issues don't really care how rich or poor you are. We're all likely to get in a car accident or trip down the stairs or be diagnosed with an illness. And so if you're the hospital or the doctor and you've got a patient that owes you money because of the services you've provided and they're not paying you, at some point, you, the hospital or doctor, you give up trying to collect. And so you take this debt that you have on your books because they won't pay the bill. You sell the debt to a collection agency. That agency pays you 10 or 20 cents on the dollar. Well, the hospital, the doctor, they figure, hey, getting 10 cents is better than nothing. The agency now owns the debt, and they try to collect from the patient. If they succeed, wow, they make a huge profit. They bought the debt for 10 cents on the dollar, and they collect a dollar? Wow, that's massive. It also allows them to say, well, we'll go to you and say, look, let's strike a repayment schedule. Pay us 50 cents on the dollar. We'll throw away half your debt. Pay us the other half. They're still making a big profit. You, the patient, get rid of the debt at a fraction of the cost. So this is a really long, tried-and-true game in the world of debt. Big businesses who can't collect on their debts, they don't want to build a debt collection department in their company. They just sell the debt to debt collection companies. So along comes RIP Medical Debt. This is a nonprofit organization. They play the same game, but they're nonprofit. So they're not trying to make a lot of money at this. Instead, what they do is they raise money from donors, and then they take the money that they've raised and they buy the bad debts, just like those debt collection companies do. This nonprofit, RIP Medical Debt, goes to hospitals and buys their debt for 10 cents on the dollar. Maybe a penny on the dollar or 20 cents on the dollar, whatever they can do. They buy it for pennies on the dollar. And then they just forgive it. They don't try to collect. End of story. Toledo is spending $1.6 million to buy $240 million worth of medical debt. And then it's going to tell those people who owe all of that $240 million, a quarter of a billion, they're going to tell them that their debts have been wiped out. 
New Orleans is spending $1.3 million to buy $130 million worth of medical debt. They're paying $0.10 on the dollar. Pittsburgh is spending $1 million to buy $115 million in medical debt. They're spending less than $0.10 on the dollar. The cities are all getting this money from President Biden's trillion-dollar American Rescue Plan. The law gives local governments massive amounts of cash for them to pretty much do what they want. Okay, that's not totally true, but largely true. So to have your debt waived through this program, your income needs to be $111,000 or less, or your medical debt has to be more than 5% of your income. You don't apply. RIP Medical Debt figures out who qualifies. They know who the people are who owe the money, and they're able to go into tax records and other databases to determine if you owe money and do you qualify based on being a low-income household. We begin with the attitude that, you know, wow, bad things happen to good people. It's not your fault you were in a car crash. It's not your fault you tripped down the stairs. It's not your fault you were diagnosed with a tumor. You've got yourself saddled with tens of thousands of dollars of medical debt you'll never be able to repay. You haven't even trying to repay it. Along comes a way for that debt to literally disappear. Pretty cool, huh? It is, but it doesn't really solve the problem. If you think about it, this program, in the end, it's rewarding people who don't pay their bills. And it punishes those who do. This is similar to the debate regarding President Biden's college debt payoff plan. He wants to forgive $10,000 with a student loan debt per person. It's in front of the Supreme Court right now, which I think is going to end up saying no. The bottom line is, the only people who could have $10,000 of their student loans waived are people who still have $10,000 of student loan debt. What about those who paid off their debts in good faith? What about those who didn't incur the debt in the first place because they were acting maturely and responsibly? What about those who got a second job or who borrowed the money via a mortgage? None of them are benefiting. So here we have medical debt. Some people are able to pay off the debt. Others struggled to pay off their debt, but they did so because ethically, morally, it's the right thing to do, and they did it. Others, you could argue, are simply being like scofflaws. They have the debt. Maybe they can pay it back, even if it's only 50 bucks a month, and they're choosing not to. Now their debts are getting wiped clean. Is this fair? Is it appropriate? Is it proper behavior for a social policy to bail people out like this? And even if it is yes to all the above, the money that these cities are spending to do it, New Orleans is spending $1.3 million, Pittsburgh $1 million, Toledo $1.6 million, that's money that these cities are not spending on other government programs like education, police, fire, paving roads, fixing potholes, you name it. Well, there's a lot of political support for this. 71% of Americans in surveys support medical debt relief. A lot more than they support student loan debt relief. 50% support that. 71% support medical debt relief. I think it's because we're all in agreement that going to college is an option. Going to the hospital isn't. And also, this doesn't prevent the incurrence of medical debt in the first place. So maybe we're dealing with the debts that already exist, but we're not solving the problem of our amazingly high healthcare costs. This whole thing, as good as it may be, is not really solving anything. And we can also argue that since cities and states are all doing this, the cost of buying that debt is going to rise. If hospitals know that there's a big piggy bank funded by the federal government, 
The hospitals won't sell the debt for 10 cents on the dollar. They're going to demand a lot more, which means it's going to cost a lot more to keep this thing going. And of course, at the end of the day, taxpayers are footing the bill for it all. And in the end, isn't that true for pretty much everything? You know, you've heard Global X mentioned a lot here on this podcast. They're one of the sponsors of this podcast, and, and I am a big proponent, big advocate of Global X ETFs. But, you know, we've been talking about them and referencing them for, you know, the better part of the year. But it occurs to me, I don't know that you really know a whole lot about Global X ETFs. I mean, they're not really a, a household name. So let me share with you some information about Global X ETFs. The company was founded in 2008 in New York. They're a global company with offices in London, Tokyo, Hong Kong, Sydney, Sao Paulo, Bogota, and Miami. In 2016, the company just had $3 billion in assets, very small ETF company. But now they've got $45 billion in assets, a 15x increase in just seven years. This is a real testament to the power of their investment strategy. They've now got 105 ETFs. They're serving investors in 95 countries. They're one of the biggest success stories in the entire asset management field. The company is part of the Mirai Asset Financial Group. This is South Korea's pioneering mutual fund manager. And all told, they're managing half a trillion dollars in client assets, 12,000 employees, 51 offices worldwide. The company is so innovative that Harvard Business School published a case study on them. If you'd like to read that case study, by the way, I got a link to it in the show notes. Now, you know me, it's, it's not just the numbers that matter, it's the people. When I was running Edelman Financial, we won lots of best places to work awards. Taking care of our staff was always very important to Gene and me. We knew that if we took care of our planners and our staff, they would take great care of our clients. That's all that really matters. So we always pay a lot of attention to how companies treat their employees. And that's another reason I like Global X so much. Global X has won a lot of best places to work awards themselves, including, and this is like really impressive, they were named one of the top 10 best places to work in New York City by Cranes. And that's pretty amazing. You think about the tens of thousands of companies that operate in New York City. I mean, there are 55 Fortune 500 companies that are headquartered in New York. And Global X is one of the 10 best companies to work for in the entire city. That says a lot about their culture and their commitment to their people and therefore to their investors. A lot of the credit goes to Global X's CEO, Luis Baruga. He's a native of Spain. He's got a long career in the asset management business. He was with Jefferies, Morgan Stanley. He's a member of the Forbes Finance Council, and he's very much on social media, which you'd expect from the CEO of a company that focuses on technology innovation for its investment strategy. I mean, everybody at Global X walks the walk. In fact, Global X is not just on LinkedIn and Instagram. They've got the largest TikTok following of any asset manager. It's like, has Vanguard ever even heard of TikTok? Luis has been the CEO for, oh, pushing 10 years now. He's led that amazing 15x growth since 2016. It's not just Luis. All the senior executives have been with the firm for nine or 10 years. The heads of sales, product, marketing, compliance, operations. Continuity matters when you're running a big business. You want to know as an investor, that the people you're entrusting your money to are committed to serving you. And long tenure like this, that's not something you often find on Wall Street. I think it helps make Global X special. 
And these people bring a wealth of investment experience with them. Before joining GlobalX, they came from Payne Weber, UBS, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, BlackRock, iShares, and other leading firms. John Mayer, their chief investment officer, was a Peace Corps volunteer in Ukraine. And now they're all doing something special together at GlobalX. But in the end, you want to know what makes GlobalX different. Why invest your money in their ETFs instead of somebody else's ETFs? Because GlobalX is not like other fund companies. Most of them have a huge array of ETFs and mutual funds. Whatever you want, they've got. And that means they don't necessarily have any particular expertise, sometimes not even a particular point of view. Their attitude is, hey, if people want to buy this kind of fund or that kind of a fund, let's offer this kind of a fund or that kind of a fund. But GlobalX doesn't do that. They've got expertise in four specific areas, and that's all they do. They don't have a government securities fund. They don't offer muni bond funds. They don't even have a money market fund. Anybody can do that. There's nothing special about those. You're not going to achieve financial security because of the money market fund you pick. Instead, GlobalX focuses on helping you create wealth, and they focus on four major categories, thematic, income, commodities, and international access. And they emphasize these in every region of their operations. In every one of their global offices, they focus on local risk management, sustainability, and digital asset solutions. This dedication has led GlobalX to become a pioneer in the ETF space. Their lithium and battery technologies ETF was one of the first in the industry in the thematic ETF space when it launched way back in 2010. They were one of the first ETF managers to give investors monthly distributions for income. And their NASDAQ 100 covered call ETF now has $7 billion in assets, and it's now available in London and Sydney as well as the U.S. This is the kind of innovative leadership that you really want in a mutual fund or ETF provider. GlobalX's thematic ETFs are focused on exponential technologies, and you know how big a fan I am of this topic. I mean, it's the basis of the title of this podcast, The Truth About Your Future. It was the name of my last book, the New York Times bestseller, The Truth About Your Future. Through GlobalX ETFs, you can invest with a laser focus in 37 different thematic investments. Infrastructure, robotics and artificial intelligence, autonomous and electric vehicles, cybersecurity, cloud computing, fintech, the Internet of Things, genomics and artificial intelligence, video games and esports, social media, telemedicine and digital health, clean tech, the millennial consumer, the aging population, renewable energy, blockchain, e-commerce, cannabis, hydrogen, data center and digital infrastructure, health and wellness, clean water, ag tech and food innovation, disruptive materials, wind energy, solar, education, emerging markets, metaverse, and green building. This is just an array of innovative technology-focused ETFs that you just don't find everywhere. The second category where GlobalX has expertise is in helping you generate income. I'm not talking about ordinary bond funds. GlobalX uses covered calls and dividend strategies with 27 ETFs offering alternative ways for you to get the income you need. Covered call ETFs, dividends from preferred stocks, income from oil and gas partnerships. If the only place you're getting your income from is from government bonds and munis, you need to take a look at the GlobalX Income ETFs. GlobalX also offers four commodities ETFs, copper mining, uranium, silver miners, and gold explorers. And finally, there's international investing. This is a global economy these days, of course, and there's a lot more to investing than just the New York Stock Exchange. With GlobalX, you can invest in the stock markets in China, Greece, 
Germany, Norway, Argentina, Southeast Asia, Nigeria, Colombia, Pakistan, Portugal, Vietnam. How many ETF managers give you this kind of exposure? But let's face it, GlobalX is not a household name. You're probably not very familiar with them compared to, say, Fidelity and Schwab and Vanguard. That's because GlobalX aims its messaging mostly at financial advisors, and they are very well-known and very popular in the advisory community. That's why I like to talk about GlobalX, not only because the advisors who are listening to this podcast know about them, but to help advisors' clients, you, the investor, become familiar with them as well. So when your advisor mentions GlobalX to you, you'll have some familiarity with them. One important way that GlobalX helps advisors is they have a full range of open architecture ETF model portfolios. I know that's gobbledygook to you, but if you're an advisor, you get what I'm talking about. These models help advisors craft their client portfolios, and the fact that these are open architecture is something advisors really like. And GlobalX has one tool in particular that's really cool. It's on their website at GlobalXETFs.com. You type in the name of a company or of a stock, and you'll see which of their ETFs owns it. If you'd like to try out this tool, the link to it is in the show notes. Another thing I really like about GlobalX is that they're not just about managing assets. A lot of companies manage assets, but it's often hard to understand why they're doing what they're doing, kind of like they're a black box. But GlobalX is different. They publish a lot of research. All of it is free for both advisors and investors, and it's all focused on those four categories, thematic, income, commodities, and international. Their flagship research project is called Charting Disruption. They produce it every year in partnership with the Wall Street Journal. I've contributed to it, and the link to it is also in the show notes. So now you know a little bit more about why I like GlobalX ETFs and why I'm proud to have them as a sponsor of this podcast. I encourage you to talk with your financial advisor about GlobalX ETFs or check them out yourself at GlobalXETFs.com. Coming up next on the program, the business of investment advice with my guest, Ray Sclafani. Charles Schwab is proud to sponsor Rick Edelman's podcast. There's strength in numbers. Charles Schwab has 25 million clients and over $7 trillion in client assets. 400 local branches, 36,000 employees, 24-7 live help, and 50 years of experience. There's strength in those numbers. And at Charles Schwab, investors are the number one priority. Visit aboutschwab.com for the numbers and schwab.com to learn more. The Truth About Your Future is sponsored by Global X ETFs. Amid inflation, rising rates, and a host of other economic challenges, volatility has been one of the few constants lately. But as listeners of this show know better than anyone, it's important to look past the short-term headlines and focus on the bigger picture. Despite the ups and downs of the news cycle, exponential technologies continue to advance, shaping a world of new possibilities in engineering, transportation, healthcare, and renewable energy. At GlobalX ETFs, we offer a diversified product lineup, including risk management solutions to navigate the storm, along with thematic strategies targeting the growth opportunities of tomorrow. Whatever your goals, visit GlobalXETFs.com to explore how our research and insights may help you achieve your goals.
Well, you're listening to The Truth About Your Future. I've got a really fun conversation for you. I don't care if you're a financial advisor or if you're an investor. Whichever you are, you're going to find a lot of value in this. Because if you're a financial advisor, you know Ray Sclafani. He is one of the leading coaches in the investment advisory wealth management fields, a household name. And if you're an investor, you need to know that guys like Ray Sclafani exist because what a lot of investors don't understand, I mean, you're probably working with a financial advisor, two out of three investors do, but you may not be aware that there's the business of investment advice. How is it that your advisor does what they do? How do they get so good at operating their practice and serving you better than ever? Well, it's because of guys like Ray Sclafani. Ray is the founder and CEO of ClientWise. He is one of the premier coaches in the financial wealth management industry, and he does training exclusively for financial advisors. He's been doing this for decades. He was 20 years at Alliance Bernstein, where he was one of the company's top professionals and executive leaders. He founded the Advisor Institute at Alliance Bernstein. He is a professional certified coach. He holds a master's certification in neurolinguistics, and he has participated in the strategic coach program for 17 years. If you're a client of Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, Raymond James, Ameriprise, Northwestern Mutual, FSC, John Hancock, Nationwide, MetLife, Northwestern, you name it, odds are really high that your advisor has gotten training from Ray Sclafani and his team. If you are a financial advisor, you have probably had exposure to the advice and services that Ray provides. And so, Ray, great to have you on the show. Rick, thanks so much. I'm honored to be here. So, first of all, I want to start for just everybody level setting, Ray. You, you had a two-decade career at Alliance Bernstein, one of the largest wealth management firms in the country. You were a rising executive, senior executive there, and you walked away. Let's start there. Why did you leave Alliance Bernstein? I saw a really interesting trend taking place in the industry. And that trend was an aging of an advisor who uh, was uh, really curious about how to remain uh, a fiduciary, how to succeed in succession. And as I surveyed the landscape, uh, my good friend Mark Tabersian and I had lots of conversations about who was helping advisors make this transition. Um, as a senior executive at Alliance Bernstein, um, I had enjoyed the opportunity that I had in creating the Advisor Institute, training and developing advisors. And frankly, that got me far more excited than just the investment management piece, helping advisors build enduring businesses that they could transition successfully onto the next generation got me really excited. And I didn't see a firm doing that. So I thought, wow, wouldn't it be uh, terrific to make a real difference uh, in the industry and leave an everlasting impact if I too could build an enduring firm that was helping advisors build something multi-generationally? And of course, Mark Tabersian, CEO of Pershing for decades, one of the most influential business leaders in the wealth management space. You know, people tend to think of advisors as just people who give investment advice to clients. You know, I'm going to give you, the, you know, some hot stock tip. I'm going to help you make more money by picking good investments better than you'll pick on your own. But the life of a financial advisor goes far beyond that. Oh, yeah, it does. That's right, Rick. And you know, you think about uh, the connection that these great advisors have uh, with clients and their families, uh, their children, their grandchildren. 
Um, I, I believe in uh, something kind of silly uh, called the ripple effect. You know, when when an advisor makes a difference in the life of a client, uh, the impact that that financial planning has, that estate tax and trust, uh, that investment management strategy extends into the next generation and beyond. And, and that ripple effect uh, is felt for generations. And when advisors build multi-generational businesses and impact uh, thousands of clients, they actually transform entire communities. You've seen it, you've done it as a ripple effect kind of advisor. I believe, Rick, uh, it makes the work uh, you've done it as an advisor, the work that advisors, great advisors doing today, it's really noble work. And it often gets overlooked. Not only is it the financial planning and the estate and tax and trust and investment strategies and risk management and insurance and disability and the like, it is also all of those really tough conversations, the loss of a spouse, uh, the helping uh, a disabled child uh, figure out like what's next, uh, somebody with special needs, uh, or, or something as silly as uh, you know being a godfather or godparent to a child. I mean, I've heard some of the most amazing stories. I, I watched once uh, a senior advisor train his team on how to go to a wake. And, you know, taking a young professional who had never been to a wake uh, and how to console and support and care for, you know, uh, that sense of empathy and support for a client. Man, that stuff never gets written about. But that's what's really going on in financial services today. And it has nothing to do with going to the wake so you can hand out business cards. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> and that's really the key is that advisors are good at being advisors, but they aren't necessarily good or experienced or knowledgeable about how to truly help clients in the areas that it truly matters. And, and your description of, of helping a client at their greatest time of emotional need, the death of a loved one, really says it all. And that is why I think it's really important. If you're an advisor, you need to learn these skills. How do you operate your practice? How do you manage it? How do you train your staff so that you can deliver services for clients? And if you're a client looking for a great advisor, you would want an advisor who's gone through the kind of training that Ray Sclafani provides. And I think that's a really good litmus test. Ask your advisor, have you ever heard of Ray Sclafani? Have you gone through his training? Because if they have, that tells you something about the quality and the professionalism of that advisor, which is something that I think most investors would never really think about. I appreciate that, Rick. I, I, you know, I think uh, back 20 or 30 years ago, uh, you know, uh, the advisors would go to sales training uh, to learn how to acquire clients. Well, I think there's been a, a, a massive shift. Uh, not only have advisors sort of extended beyond learning how to acquire clients, but the best in the business today um, have acquired those technical skills to know how to advise clients around investment strategy and estate planning and tax mitigation and trust services and wealth transfer and the like. But what they also have done is acquired those emotional intelligence skills um, they've acquired those leadership skills, uh, because after all, if you think about what it takes to build a successful enterprise, um, it requires a leader uh, who understands how to develop others. Jack Welch had a great quote many years ago. He said, the sign of a great leader is somebody who can develop somebody who can develop somebody. And so just like these advisors are thinking about how to support families multi-generationally, they're also themselves trying to think about how they build a team 
uh, that's in a uh, poll position to be supportive of families and clients multi-generationally. That's a shift in leadership. That's a shift in emotional intelligence. It's not just the business development skills or the technical skills. It requires so much more to be a great advisor today. And frankly, that's the work uh, not only do I do, but I lead a team of 25 uh, or, or more coaches today. I think we're 25 or 27, uh, but our company client-wise focuses exclusively uh, helping advisors build those kinds of businesses. So I, I think you've got your finger on it just right. As an aside, I need to interrupt this conversation to tell you that if you're listening to this, which most folks do since it's a podcast, or if you're reading the transcript, which is available at our website, I encourage you to watch the video, which is also available, the link on our website and YouTube, because we're visited in the studio by my dog, Nori. She's a rescue we picked up about a month ago, a little bit of a mutt, and uh, she's wonderful, but she jumped into my lap as we began the show, and she won't leave, so she's in my lap. <laughs> she's having a good time, though. But she keeps yawning. She's she's wonderful. Um, Ray, you'd mentioned the, the importance of teams and the ability to train teams who can operate independently and carry on your legacy and fulfill the culture and the philosophical approach that you deliver. And that's what's something I think most investors don't realize is that today, most advisors do operate in teams, often small, you know, two or three colleagues, sometimes rather large. And that's one of the things that you do uh, so well. I, I spoke, was it last year, two years ago, at one of your events, the Business Builders Academy, you have what you call super ensemble groups. Talk about that. Sure. So uh, the industry sort of looks at uh, teams and ensembles a little differently. Uh, there are many advisors operating in a team kind of structure. And for the investors out there listening to this uh, podcast, advisors will know this for sure. I mean, to possess all of the technical skills associated with uh, advising clients is impossible to have expertise just as one. So it requires a technical skill set that's distributed across uh, teams. Um, it also requires uh, for those that are growing a business and want the capacity to deliver uh, client experience and client engagement at the highest levels, you've got to have a team. No one person can serve, uh, at least the industry data tells us, you know, more than somewhere between 40 and 75 clients. Some say 100, some say more, but depending upon the type of integrated wealth advising services and financial planning, it really probably uh, is a limited number of clients. It's not an unlimited number of clients. So it requires a team. For an advisor that's trying to build a multi-generational business, developing the next generation talent is also key. So teams really matter. Uh, but about uh, 20 years ago uh, in financial services, there was a fair amount of research uh, that was done. And what we started to see was the formation of ensembles. Ensembles being multiple member-owned businesses, advisors that had declared that they wanted to build something enduring, which would require uh, standing up a business, creating shares in that business, and then figuring out ways to distribute that equity over time so that that business uh, was an entity that was then transferable. And so at ClientWise, we started uh, Business Builders Academy 17 years ago. And we've got groups of advisors that are that are like in size, uh, both in terms of revenues, in terms of number of team members, uh, number of professionals that are advising clients, and also what stage they are in that endurance and transition and building their business. So we've created a, a series of groups. Uh, advisors have businesses that are solo owned. 
uh, well, we coach and develop them very differently than we do those that are set up as teams. Um, and then uh, we we work with those that are really set up as ensembles, whether they've got uh, one to 5 million in revenue or five to 10 million in revenue. Uh, you came and spoke to our largest uh, ensemble group called Super Ensembles. These are firms typically with uh, multi-billion dollar businesses in terms of assets. They've got teams uh, sizes in, in excess of 25 or 30 professionals. And they are well on their way uh, to transitioning that business to the next generation. Those businesses have way different uh, challenges uh, than a business maybe that's set up as a smaller team with four to six people. Um, but we coach all of that uh, group of advisors depending upon uh, sort of their stage. And what's fun for us at ClientWise, Rick, is because we see uh, the solo uh, practitioner uh, who's really committed to building a team. Uh, but also uh, those largest firms that are in M&A activity and they're buying businesses and merging with others and transitioning the equity shares. It's really uh, been exciting uh, to build a business and and help those advisors grow, but also see the the range with which uh, and the stages with which uh, they have to transition to succeed. And so there are a couple interesting things in there. First is the notion that any advisor, regardless of where they are in their career path, whether they are a young, new advisor operating by themselves in a massive organization, or they are a, well, I'll say mature, developed uh, professional who's been in this career for 20 or 30 years, who is highly successful already and already working with a number of other colleagues in an ensemble practice, they're all continuing to get training. They're all continuing to realize that the only way they can get to the next level of their career is to continue to learn and develop and grow. And so you just have to wonder, why would an advisor continue to do it all by themselves and not seek the advice, mentoring, training skill set that people like you can provide? So that's a key question. If I were an investor, that I would ask my advisor, tell me about your resources for training and development. And if the advisor merely says, oh, I get 12 continuing ed credits every year. That's a bad know. answer. Yeah. Rick, I'll give you two other questions. If I were an investor, I'd be asking advisors. And the first is around succession and continuity. Now, God forbid something happened to you, whether it was a disability or death suddenly, um, or maybe a desire to retire. What's your continuity or succession plan? In other words, what happens to me if you, my advisor, leave? Right on, right on. If the family is unsure as to what happens in the event of, then uh, they probably need to look for another advisor. That's one question I would ask. And the other is if if they're just in the investment management space, meaning the advisor's only providing investment management solutions or suggesting they're doing financial planning and masking it as investment management, uh, then they probably need a more comprehensive approach uh, and a more sophisticated approach, taking a look at their their overall situation. Um, you know this as well as I do. It's not just about the investment management. It's how all of that capital markets discussion, those investment management solutions fit into a long-range plan. And uh, that's something that the best uh, really differentiate themselves by doing. Now, why is this such a big deal, Ray? Why, you know, it's one thing to be protection oriented that, you know, hey, my advisor might get hit by a bus tomorrow. But the bigger issue is retirement or death. And that's an issue because the vast majority of advisors in this country 
are over the age of 50. In fact, more than half are over the age of 60. And it's projected that most advisors are going to be retiring within the next 10 years. So talk about the implications on the wealth management industry and by extension, the clients they serve on this aging issue. Yeah, it's a real issue. Uh, according to Barron's, uh, who does a fair amount of research in this space, more than two thirds of advisors don't have a durable succession plan. If you uh, listen to any of the Fidelity institutional uh, research or Schwab's institutional research that provide custodial services to the large uh, RIAs, registered investment advisors in the US, uh, some say it's as much as 70% have failed to provide a durable succession plan. Succession uh, planning uh, is at the highest level acting as a fiduciary on behalf of the client, doing what's in the best interest requires a durable succession plan, full stop. I feel so strongly about this issue. And yet when you look at the age, the percentage of advisors, you just uh, laid out the stats uh, uh, really spot on. If advisors have uh, not planned for the future, it's the great irony in this industry in that most really good advisors spend their time helping clients plan for the future but, but they don't do enough planning for themselves. And for me, you ask why I left Alliance Bernstein after 20 years. This is really the issue for me. I, I think for me, uh, financial services has been uh, really the greatest blessing uh, for me personally. I stepped into it at the age of 17 um, and uh, was able to get an internship as a young professional and advisors, I witnessed the impact, the great impact advisors have. And I, I know there's a lot of negative press at times about advisors and the Bernie Madoffs and you know all of that jazz. But my experience has been uh, that advisors really, really do great work for clients, but they're so busy focusing on others, they fail to focus on their own teams. And I think that's got to change. The implications are really big. There's over 300 million Americans, um, and there's only about 200,000 real financial advisors in the U.S. So if we strip out all of the bank tellers and the, you know, the bank brokers and the credit union professionals and the wholesalers that are licensed and the asset management firms, there's a very small cadre of financial advisors in the U.S. So we have an underrepresented population of advisors, an aging population of advisors, and really great advisors are bringing next generation talent into the profession. My older son actually entered the profession and he's a uh, an, an apprentice learning how to be a great financial advisor. So the future is bright for the young ones. I think it's uh, an overlooked uh, career path for many. For those investors out there, if you've got kids in their 20s, it's not a sales job. Uh, there are plenty of firms that offer apprenticeships and advising jobs. Um, and it's a it's a fabulous profession. Uh, Rick, you and I both uh, have enjoyed uh, the fruits of hard work uh, in a great profession and making a great difference and an impact in the lives of many. But it's something that's got to change. I think advisors need to uh, further step up and uh, figure out how to expand and grow our industry. And let's talk about the environment we're in right now. Um, this is a dicey time, clearly, for the world. We have great political strife here in the U.S. We have an abundance of social issues that the nation is facing. 
We are dealing with geopolitical uncertainty around the world, uh, Russia and Ukraine, uh, what's you know going on with China and Taiwan. Uh, we have the continuing saga of COVID. We are facing a budget crisis in the United States, on and on and on. In this kind of environment, with the spilling over effect on what does it mean for my investments and what's going to happen with my financial security in the future, what are you focusing on with the advisors you're coaching, uh, helping them grow their businesses in an environment like this? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, by the way, I would throw on to that uh, pile of uh, worry uh, about the great debt uh, that our country is amassing yeah. and the uh, the risk that puts us in uh, when, when we amass that kind of debt. Um, advisors who uh, we typically work with uh, are among the most successful. Uh, Barron's advisor, Dow Jones, ranks uh, the top advisors in the U.S. Uh, Barron's advisor has selected our firm to be their exclusive advisor coaching partner. So we're typically working with sort of the creme de la creme, the, the advisors who are really committed to growth, to learning, uh, to developing others, uh, to building out their teams, to grow their businesses and support clients. What's interesting is um, this is a this is a, a pretty awesome time uh, in financial services to be an advisor acquiring new relationships uh, because of the great work that advisors have done. At least the clients we typically are coaching, they've helped their clients navigate all of the waters you're describing. Now, of course, there's a, a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace and you know, uh, one nuclear weapon away and we've got a whole different world in front of us. But what I notice is advisors are doing a really good job of working with their clients uh, to protect their plan, to discuss what real financial security looks like. It's not always about making more money. Uh, sometimes it's about protecting what you have and building that kind of durable retirement plan uh, where there might be wealth that's transferred or a guaranteed income stream. And so what we're experiencing is uh, the advisors and teams we're coaching are right now in client acquisition mode. They're looking to grow. Uh, it seems, it's at least in my experience over the years, where there's a heightened sense of volatility and a heightened sense of like worry about what the future holds, the best advisors acquire clients at a quicker rate. They get more referrals. Uh, there's more chatter at church and synagogue. There's more chatter on the soccer fields. Uh, there's more chatter among clients like, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Who's your advisor? What are you doing currently? And so the number of uh, clients that are referring their advisors as advocates is really spiking here. Um, and we're seeing growth rates at an increased uh, level. What's interesting is there are a bunch of advisors that haven't done a great job. Uh, maybe they haven't shored up client relationships. They haven't gone back and looked at the financial plan, looked at the permanence of the plan, the, the guaranteed income streams, the wealth transfers. Uh, I also think uh, uh, the best advisors are educating the next generation of clients. Uh, so I'm seeing uh, those advisors run 
education clinics and, you know, they're gathering their clients, children together. Uh, I'm even seeing universities, uh, partnerships with advisor practices where they're organizing uh, finance classes and uh, doing a really great job of educating uh, the kids, uh, the grandkids, the heirs of clients' wealth. So this is a pretty exciting time for advisors to be uh, in growth mode. Uh, Rick, when there's a lot of complacency and 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 rates are at zero forever, and uh, there's just free cash flow and the markets are soaring, there's not really a need for an investor to take a second look, right? Everything's okay. Yeah, we're making money. Uh, blue sky. Things look all right. Uh, retirement's going to be okay. But wow, in the last three, four years, have American citizens hit Control-Alt-Delete and a great book by Adam Grant. The title is Think Again. Wow, have Americans paused to think again. Uh, I'm seeing more and more advisors report to us that their clients are moving uh, cities. Uh, they're downsizing or upsizing. They're buying that second home. Uh, they're they're really thinking about what retirement's going to look like and what they want their, their life ahead to look like. So in some kind of funny way, I think all of this volatility and uncertainty has allowed the the American investor to really stop and think again about what they want their future to be. And if they've got a really great business partner in their financial advisor, helping them think through what that future looks like, uh, they're in a winning position. And that's what we see many of our clients doing today. We're talking with Ray Sclafani, the founder and CEO of ClientWise. Uh, his web address, by the way, is clientwise.com. The link is in our show notes. Ray, I'm glad you mentioned that book uh, because I was going to ask you what good books you're reading right now, because clearly you practice what you preach. You too are constantly engaged in learning and developing and improving your own skills. So in addition to the book you've cited, what else are you reading? So I'm, I'm actually reading uh, for the second time, one of my uh, favorite books, The Gap in the Gain by Dan Sullivan. Uh, Dan talks a lot about living in the gap, the space where you're never good enough. You can never get there. But if you sort of reframe uh, the gap into more of a gain, uh, and every situation is a learning experience, and every opportunity, there's something positive that comes out of it, it it's a great uh, reminder about um, the significance uh, of the great world that we live in and all the positivity uh, that's going on. So I, uh, that's one that really stands out uh, to me when I'm, I'm rereading. I'm also, uh, there's a, a great book called Turn the Ship Around. It's written by a captain in the uh, U.S. Navy, David Marquette. And David is responsible for really transforming the U.S. Navy. It's a, it's a great short story uh, about his role in, in boarding a nuclear uh, attack submarine that had failed every inspection. All of the officers had requested uh, moving to a, a, a different uh, responsibility within the Navy. Uh, the renewal rate uh, and reenlisting rate among the 150 or uh, seven or so sailors uh, was, was extremely low. And uh, he was asked to step aboard and turn the ship around. Now, he wrote a great book, not because he didn't turn the ship around. He, he did uh, turn the ship around. But it's an amazing, masterful story in leadership uh, in a world. And in fact, I think it's a great parenting book in a funny kind of way, uh, where uh, in many cases, uh, others are looking just to be led. Hey, tell me what to do, coach. Uh, tell me, Tell me what to do, mom. What do I do, dad? 
in a world of helicopter parenting or even leading teams where team members are standing around looking, wondering, hey, what do I do next? Uh, turn the ship around uh, Marquette's story of leader to leader uh, led environments where people work interdependently and together. Fabulous story. And then I won't bore you because I could go on forever. One book uh, that I've picked up and I just finished is a book called From Strength to Strength. It's finding success and happiness and deep purpose in the second half of life. And so at 54 years of age, I've got a lot of energy. I'm excited about the future. I'm excited to be the CEO of ClientWise and helping advisor practices grow. And I'm going to continue to do that for quite some time. But I also am thinking about, um, hey, what does the next half look like? And how can I use more of my wisdom uh, than just uh, all the hours put in, but be smart, work smarter, not harder about what the future is going to be? So Arthur Brooks uh, is the author from Strength to Strength. So those are a few that come to mind quickly. And we have in our show notes today links to all of the four books that Ray has mentioned, along with his own website, clientwise.com. Ray, thanks so much for joining us on the show here today. Continued success, my friend. Thank you, Rick. Great to be here. Hey, if you're a financial advisor or an accredited investor and you want to get a deep dive into the world of crypto, Come to Vision. It's the longest-running digital assets investment conference specifically for financial advisors and accredited investors. You'll get the cutting-edge educational content and actionable ideas from leading investors and industry thought leaders. This event is June 12 to 14 in Austin. Our keynote speakers include downtown Josh Brown from CNBC, Patrick McHenry, who's the chair of the House Financial Services Committee, and Dave Hirsch, who heads crypto enforcement for the SEC. We're also going to teach you how to mint your own NFTs. A ton of fun, lots of great knowledge, and wonderful networking. Check out the details at DACFPVision.com. The link is in the show notes. The Truth About Your Future is sponsored by GlobalX ETFs. Listeners of this program enjoy fresh perspectives on the financial topics that matter most, especially the rise of exponential technologies. And right now, there may be no faster-moving tech story than the rise of artificial intelligence. But despite some exciting new developments, like the launch of ChatGPT, we are only beginning to scratch the surface of AI's potential. So, which companies will have staying power? As an investor, it's hard to know, which is why GlobalX ETFs specializes in thematic investing strategies that harness the potential of numerous companies involved in an emerging trend, all in a single trade. Explore our investment approach along with our latest research on the emergence of AI at GlobalXETFs.com insights. Support for Rick Edelman's podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Meet Henry, an everyday person who enjoys reading science fiction, keeping in shape at the gym, and spending time with family. He also participates in progress by investing in a fund that supports innovative ideas. Invesco QQQ ETF allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100, so you don't have to be a rocket scientist to help push progress forward. Anyone can become an agent of innovation. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs risks are similar to those of stocks. 
Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, carefully read and consider fund investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in prospectus at Invesco.com. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You know, Jean's podcast, Self-Care with Jean Edelman, is now her own independent podcast. Jean's passionate about sharing her knowledge and insights with you on self-care, mindfulness, overall wellness. Jean's topic this week, our inner world. Subscribe at selfcarewithjean.com. I'm Rick Edelman. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. The truth about your future with Rick Edelman has been brought to you by Global X ETFs, dedicated to providing investors with unexplored intelligent solutions, and by Invesco QQQ. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ, Invesco Distributors, Inc. Get the truth about your future with Rick Edelman. It's the truthayf.com.